Hello and welcome to Monocle on Culture with me, Robert Bound. Grayson Perry's first commercial show for seven years at London's Victoria Miro Gallery is titled Super Rich Interior Decoration and features the sort of witty vases that made the artist famous, as well as wall hangings, a rug and a selection of arch items, handbags, a yoga mat that are a little easier on your pocket. From the vibrant colours and clever titles to the uncanny social commentary, it's all Uber Grayson. This time, however, Perry's faultless crosshairs are trained on that biggest of contemporary art big game, the collectors themselves. Perry is a fine artist. He fires beautiful pots, draws well and mixes beauty with intellect and the decorative with the significant with the raw talent of few others. Perhaps Perry's work is important to see during this, London's unofficial art week, because it comments on the commercial at the same time as being commercial, while Perry's gifts as a communicator send up the contemporary art world's seriousness for cash and its flaccid critical muscle with gay abandon. So is he biting the hands that feed him or just nuzzling a manicured mitt? Uh, well, to decipher the wit and the politics behind Grayson Perry's new show, I'm joined today by the art writer and broadcaster Louisa Buck and head of content at the Listen Gallery, Ossian Ward. It's the dream team back together. Welcome to the programme. <laughs> Lovely to be here. Um, and talking about such a rich subject, Grayson Perry, back after a hiatus, doing lots of doing lots of bits and bobs all over the place, but it's nice to see a body, a new body of fresh work. Louisa, are we in sort of classic Grayson Perry territory here? We, we absolutely are. We've got him doing his wonderful ceramics. I mean, nobody can make a decorative, gorgeous pot with a, with a satirical bite like Grayson can, and he's done it with a vengeance here. And then a big, big, wonderful wall hanging, which is called Large Expensive Abstract Painting. He's not mussing, messing around here. Like the Ron lad does what it says I on just, the tin. I just totally what it says on the tin. Yeah. And then you've also got a very disconcerting carpet, a rug called Don't Look Down, which depicts mm. a homeless figure lying with his dog surrounded by detritus in gorgeous deep pile carpet in pastel lovely colours so you literally do walk on a homeless person while loving the kind of gorgeousness of it and um, and then you've got you've got a pot that's been made into a lampshade yes. I mean which I love that into a table lamp you know the ultimate kind of sacrilege you know every interior designer <laughs> causes sort of you know tightening of lips from art aficionados when they make fame, you know, Ming vases into lampshades he's lamps table lamps and he's done that himself and um and then a great big woodcut also, which is fabulous, called Sponsored by You, which is a horrible colour. It's Alan, Alan Measles, his teddy sort of leitmotif constant <laughs> companion with some sort of flashy, flashy blonde in a sports car emblazoned with Tax Haven logos. <laughs> and with you know, on, on the wheels, you just got guilt as the brakes, which aren't working very well. <laughs> so he's both biting and nuzzling with a vengeance, as he does so well. I mean, Grayson Perry's a great artist. He's a great maker of things. He's a skillful maker of things. He's not just, he's not an artist that gets confused with being a journalist, although he's got a great television career now. He's good at that as well, though. He's pretty good at TV that. TV series and writing. But, yeah. no, but, but, but art is where he's really at. Yeah. And, and Austin, that's, that's the thing that people, it isn't necessarily an underrated thing, but with all the kind of fame and, and, and all of his different personae and all the rest of it, um, how, do, how do you rate um, Grayson Perry as a maker of, of, de- of, of decorative and artistic artefacts? It's difficult because he would be super self-effacing and say, I can't really actually make very good pots. He makes coil pots. He doesn't, yeah. you know, he doesn't throw them. But actually the amount of time he spends 
you know, gilding them and putting these little labels and, you know, um, drawing into them and the intaglio and every kind of possible ceramic device you could think of does make them incredibly satisfying. And some of them are genuinely beautiful. There's a pot called Votori with all these, yeah. uh, our favourites, you know, Michael Gove and um, David Cameron et al., speckled with kind of emojis and hearts and and it's a beautiful red pot. I don't know why it's red because I would have thought it'd been more it sort Tory of looks blue. Quite sort of like the Coca Cola logo or something. It's got a kind of brand quality to it. Almost, well, because also that you know he's used this um, what's it called the gilding, uh, the kintsugi. You know this mm. Japanese idea: you break a vase or you break a pot, and you uh, fix it back together with gilding, and and you've made like beauty out of disrepair. I mean, this pot should really get smashed and then never be made again because it's kind of so disgusting. But it kind of looks like that, like he's sort of playing with those traditional notions of Japanese. He wanted to be genuine. I mean, I think it was quite interesting, that pot, because he said quite rightly that all of us art worlders, even if people have enormous sort of trust funds and offshore accounts and goodness knows what and blood-soaked portfolios, nonetheless, (laughs) they still try to be right on. They're meant to, you know, they give to charity, they care about the homeless, they have sort of, you know, bamboo-woven, you know, recyclable water jugs or whatever. But, you know, having a big pot that says vote Tory on it with all the Tory baddies but kind of sprinkled amongst sort of unicorns and happy clappy... I mean, you know, he said, actually, the most subversive thing he could probably be is to make a right-wing statement, because yeah. in the art world, we're all so meaningfully liberal, elitishly hand-wringing. So actually, that pot's quite ambiguous about all that. It is gorgeous. It's saying vote Tory in big emblazoned, yes, red, perhaps should have been blue letters. But it's, it's a gorgeous thing that's asking you to do something that will be absolute anathema, at least publicly, to most of the art world. Yeah, so that's the thing. We, th- there is, the, there is the, the funny idea of having Marc Francois um, rendered like a My Little Pony, <laughs> just for you. Louisa, Re-smog next door to a unicorn. What I love could you it. ask for? Come on, <laughs> just turn the lights down low and, and whisper to it, to it gently at night. So who's going to um, buy that? That's the thing, you know. Yes, yeah, so, so this is the thing, right? Yeah. Super rich interior decoration. It's sort of lampoons what collectors have in their houses stereotypically. And he actually even said he's researched the interiors of rich yeah. people's houses, so his work will actually go in it and look gorgeous, you know. <laughs> so he's made it deliberately kind of soft furnishing friendly, so it will sit amongst all the other stuff as well. I mean, I love that sort of cynicism but also completely <laughs> open you know is the stuff beautiful because I, th- I think he makes some of his stuff is his color schemes and some of the imagery is not but at heart his stuff is is and always has been had its heart in the idea of the decorative and lampooning the decorative, but also being beautiful a lot of the but time. But it ain't going to sit in a kind of hard-edged, minimalist environment, you know. No. It's quite yeah. funny. I mean, it's for a very particular kind of Luke's opulent, it will go with old masters, it will go with soft furnishings, it will go... And he's a beautiful colourist. I mean, they are some yeah. amazing hues on these pots. But some of the big, big, um, the, the, the big wall hangings, I mean, for example, the sponsored by you, the big um, woodcut with the, with, the, with the sports car, I mean, it's black and red and green it's quite garish I mean it's quite imposing to have that on your wall you know with the screaming logos and and, and horrible snide references to offshore bank accounts all over the place when actually everybody has got their stuff in the Cayman Islands possibly yeah I mean that's quite quite close to the bone yeah Yeah, that's what he's he's aiming at he's aiming at the idea that you've got this big expensive painting on your wall but then he's kind of revealing where this all comes from, you know, elective schools, private healthcare, non-doms, someone with a watch collection. I'm thinking, well, this could be <laughs> this could be anyone, you know, this could be any collector. But then it says modern slavery, and you, you it gets a bit darker, and you yeah. think, well, so he's kind of revealing what the mechanisms might be underneath it all. But I mean, it's difficult because 
he plays this balance quite well. You know, Grayson is establishment. He is blue chip, but yet he's kind of trying to flip it. So I, I can never quite tell where he really does sit. You know, I think he's knowing, but he's not ironic. Mm. I yeah, don't okay. think he's. I don't think he's cynical. I think he pretends to be cynical. Yeah. but I think he's really heartfelt. I mean, it's a lot of time on your own in the studio building up those coil pots. Yeah. He really cares about craft. But then, of course, the, the the large, expensive abstract painting, which is a tapestry, is completely done on Photoshop. Yeah. and it's completely machine made. So he's got this kind of love of technology, love of tech, but also love of old school, you know, clay under your fingernails pottery, where he makes these beautiful drawings, you know, incised into mm. the pots. But then. Of course, one of the pots is, I mean, I adore this pot. It's called My Perfect Life, and it's a parody of Instagram. And, yeah. on the, and it's got all these categories like reflection in puddle, rust, <laughs> bride in field, you know, quirky yeah. vintage kind of thing. Oh, my God, I've done all that on my Instagram, you know, <laughs> the puddle reflection. Oh, no, the distressed <laughs> yeah. paintwork. And so that's sort of more lightweight yeah. sort of parodying. So I think he's been very clever at various entry levels of, 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 of critique and yeah. then flipping them back yeah, again. Yeah, and it gets darker. There's the Brexit one, there's the refugee one, there's the kid behind the railing you know, behind the uh, barbed wire. So, I mean, he, he can take it there. I just don't know whether, like you say, where he, he sits on that balance because there's these very funny handbags, which are, you know, obviously Louis Vuitton uh, Yeah, so he's done, a, he's done a collaboration with Osprey, Osprey yeah. Yeah. Um, who, are a, who are sort of slightly fusty old sort of Bond Street bag hawker. Yeah. Um, good quality stuff, but it, that's where do we where do we sit on the on the on the sort of irony seesaw? Well, that's Grace that's it. Because I mean, you know, they're they're very funny. You open them up, they say kind of vote Tory, and it's in sort of like a. I don't know, Margaret Thatcher racing green or something. You can get them in different colours. <laughs> They're all in gorgeous colours. And also yeah. the clip I love is Alan Measles, again, the teddy motif. Yeah. And the clip is actually Alan Measles' rather sizeable peanuts that you kind of turn around to, <laughs> As to a click, clip. To yeah. click Big it shut. brass knob. Big brass knob, absolutely. So, you know, again, he's, he's taking the mickey. But I don't really mind that. I mean, I think... This this isn't as 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 searing in satire as some of his earlier work has been. I mean, there hasn't mm. been the the howling of the mother with the dead child mm. and the kind of apocalypse now. I mean, you issue that the hardest core one really is the carpet with the homeless person on, mm. which is you know fantastically tasteless because you walk all over a homeless person in pastel colours and there he is lying there with his horrible sort of mangy dog. And but but I think you know he is very knowingly doing super rich interior decoration and he's sort of gone yeah well that's what I'm doing. He's almost throwing up his hands. Yeah. It's not hardcore satire. And in a way, I always loved the fact that there were some really searingly awful things or really explicit sexual yeah. stuff going on mm. on a kind of humble, wholesome pot, which was really unwholesome when you look more closely at it. Yeah, and actually Grayson is smart enough to do this, you know, in proximity to all of Mayfair's cheesy establishments selling luxury yeah. bags and, you know, galleries selling not much better than tap. You know, like he can sit next to that because he knows the field into which he's ploughing very he's kind of researched it like you said he's he's gone into that and he's actually brought out the nub of it it's not just like paying lip service to it or doing a kind of Banksy-esque you know pun he's he's sort of quite cutting yeah and I wanted to, to come back to the title super rich interior decoration which is what most neither of, is, let's yeah well that's it. the thing so not, as I say when, when we, we've kind of bandied around the title neither of you refreshingly are surprised or offended as critics that that is the title that that is the point of much of the art that is sold will be sold uh, this week at Freeze, etc., etc. 
it just goes with the territory, Well, I mean, right? Ossian knows. You've been to enough collectors' houses. I've written books on art collecting, mm. for God's sake. You know, I mean, most people buy art because, you know, it gives them the warm glow of kind of cultural loveliness. They've got something gorgeous on their walls or on their floors to look at, or if not gorgeous, thought-provoking, or it can be so ugly, it's interesting. I mean, mm. but it is really about... Mm. Most art is bought to be lived with. I mean, very few people buy art to put in institutions or to loan to institutions. That's in the super, super rich at the very top. Mm. So it is interior decor, really. I mean, I have art in my house. I don't rehang my art every Every, you know, couple of months to refresh my interior <laughs> mm. stuff's been hanging there for years, you know, and it's it's great. Yeah, yeah, and actually the collectors have to laugh with him, otherwise they're not understanding the work, you know, and I think we're about to have a big show of Ai Weiwei. They're not easy works. They're giant, monumental tree root sculptures. They're not for the faint-hearted either. You know, yeah. I think you have to go on a journey. They'd look great in your park, though, if you had a large country <laughs> mansion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Ward Estate. I'll, I'll offer you one next week, Louisa. <laughs> yeah, for my Don't dear worry. park. Thank yes. you so much. <laughs> um, and we, we sort, of, um, sort of alluded to this in, in, the, in my opening blurb. Grayson was kind of keen to talk about the idea of seriousness as a commodity and about art writing and critical writing about art. And, and this is a theme that he's he's riffed on before, but it's such a it always sounds fresh to me because of the kind of turgid impossibility of a lot of critical art writing and that way of if you talk about something in hushed tones and you present it a certain way, the galleries are obviously designed a certain way, seriousness means uh, zeros after the price. Yeah, but right? also let's not forget galleries now. I'm old enough to remember when galleries would give you a bit of paper if you were lucky to tell you about the artist. Yeah. Now they publish these great big glossy ca- catalogues. Yeah. You know, they hire critics by the yard to do it, so that slightly compromises them. They have directors of content like Mr. <laughs> Mr. Ward on my right. You know, <laughs> it's very they content. never used to be directors <laughs> of content in my day because, you know, this whole thing about galleries not only curating their shows but curating the responses to their shows. Yeah. And actually, to put it crudely, a lot of these gorgeous catalogues, but with footnotes and erudite art speak as sales brochures, really. Yeah. And, and also, know. why can't we laugh at art? You know, what? why should we be so hushed and yeah. kind of reverent? Because if you see something funny, the Catalan show looks like a riot. You know, I think people <laughs> forget that contemporary yeah. art could be funny, or Grayson himself is very funny. Why can't he make work that's funny? And be serious at the same time. Yeah. What about Grayson Perry's public profile? We you sort of mentioned um Louisa that he you know his his art is about stuff his art he's can written. say all of it all of it does without him being a great communicator about it and about you know the social studies he does on the television and stuff. Well he's got a whole you know series of of, of works with Channel yeah. 4. He's already done done whole series on manhood, on identity, and now he's just come back from America where he's going to do one about the American dream. So it's Grayson does the deep south, Grayson does the east coast and Grayson does Wisconsin. You know he's going to come back and, and do all that and he's very canny because he uses those trips as research <laughs> for making yeah. art so while he's kind of mm. in fact quite, I'm not sure whether the American um, series has got this in, in, integrated in but certainly the other ones he was actually making artefacts for the people he was interviewing for the programme to respond to yeah. so I mean, it was dead cunning then he got the artworks at the end that you could then make a lovely exhibition out of mm. and so you know he's I mean I think good for him. He's very talented. He, you know, he's a spectacularly glamorous out there transvestite, but also a real Essex geezer as well. And yeah. very, very smart and very kind of personable. He's not snooty. He's not hierarchical. Of all the artists I know who've had you know massive fame, he's the one with whom it seems to sit the most comfortably. He just seems to really enjoy it and run with it. So all the telly stuff, I think, works really well. 
you have to be a bit careful. I mean, I think he has to kind of get back in the studio and do some stuff yeah. because too much, too much appearing on the screen endlessly can slightly make the art look like a commentary or what he's doing look like a commentary on the art. Mm. It all gets a bit too tied into a kind of hermetic bubble of kind of self-promotion. Yeah. And so I think you've got to be careful because art has got to flourish as art, independent of the artist's commentary, the artist's persona. And do, do, and do you think... Do, we, do you both think that he's he's at that happy place right now where the work the work is telling its own story and it works as as, as it works and it doesn't necessarily need the other stuff they are they are interesting bolt-ons and it seems he's got a superfluity of of ideas that he has to fit into these different niches maybe I, do, I just worry like Louise alluded to that if you can't play the man of the people and also be a kind of establishment darling at the same time at some point you know it's a difficult balance you know, me thinks he doth protest too much about the collectors who are buying his work in some way, you know. But I think he's still clever enough to pull it off, so yeah. you can't sort of begrudge him the, the opportunity. I mean, he does one-man shows at the London Palladium, for God's sake. Yeah. You know, I mean, no yeah. artist I know has ever done that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he is pushing that envelope. Yeah, true. And, yeah. you know, Claire in these amazing dresses, Claire, his tranny alter ego, who, who's been there right from the beginning. Mm. I remember back in the 80s when Grayson was living in a squat in Crowndale Road, mm. just off Mornington Crescent, and Claire looked like a kind of rather shabby sort of barrett home housewife yes. with a bit of Camilla Parker Bowles thrown in you know there wasn't <laughs> I like all the this... work of the early Claire with the sort of model plane and she's quite dowdy she's quite dowdy with sort of lip, lots of lip gloss and sort yeah. of flicky flicky hair and a kind of pussycat bow you know yeah, yeah. so I mean the trannydom's always been there but he's again been smart enough to kind of take it with him and make it more and more and more and more flamboyant but you know I think it becomes like a piece of performance art in a way but I think it is a tricky one I don't want to decry him I wish him all the success I think he's absolutely brilliant Brilliant, but I do think it is tricky with the work. You've got to kind of think about where you're going to push that work and where it's going to go. Yeah. And I think this is the last time he can really riff mm. on the whole collector. I think this is kind of apotheosis of piss take, if you like, mm. of, of, <laughs> of the, of, the, of the collector. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you yeah. know, then you've got to think, well, where am I going to go from here? And I think I'll be very interested to see what, he, what comes out of the America series mm. and where yeah. he takes that, because he hasn't really broken America. Yeah. I said he should do carpool karaoke. That would get him in place. But, you know, I think he hasn't James really Corden's broken. James a collector, so you never yeah. know. There you go. And so, but, you know, so I think that's, that's going to be a tricky one and going to be very interesting to see what he does with that. Going back to the work in Super Rich Interior Decoration, the work itself, the titles, spot on, funny, arch, all the rest of it. Do you feel... Maybe you've just answered this in your last answer, Louisa. But do you feel, Austin, that it is a moment that it is that actually come freeze next year, come freeze in five years' time, maybe maybe Grayson Perry's next collection, uh, it will be significantly different. It might have to be significantly different. Yeah, I mean, again, I think he's able to hit those heights and, you know, he can change it up, I'm sure. I think he's smart enough to be able to then pick apart his own psychology a little bit as well as sort of looking at the outs the outside of the art world. I think he'll be able to bring it back to himself. And, you know, I, I think they do people can relate to these works, apart from the pop references, apart from the laughing at the Tories or, you know, the serious point with the homeless guy. I think people do relate to his work. So he'll always be relatable. He just shouldn't go too far down the intra art world kind of self joking uh, 
policing the art world himself. And I'm not sure how far he can go with that. He's very good at his responding to context. I remember that. I mean, amazing show he did in the British Museum mm. where, you know, not it's many a tomb artists... Tomb of the Unknown Craftsman. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, he interspersed with the British Museum's collections, yeah. which, you know, are, are rife with problem and multicultural and all these massive issues. And he made these works which extraordinarily kind of fitted in aesthetically because they were so brilliantly made, but also dealt with a lot of those issues at the same time, wearing their wearing it very lightly, but being quite punchy about appropriation, post-colonialism, all that other kind of stuff. So mm. I think he's very good at grappling with those big issues. And I, I wait the post-America collection with keen anticipation. I think that'll be an interesting thing to see what he's discovered about Grayson Perry himself while yeah. he's been testing it somewhere else. Yeah, it's nice to see. Yes, I, I, I'm looking forward to that and seeing him reacting to something that is less close to home, less close to the art world. That is more. But these can... are really funny because I mean, yeah. even if you're not in the art world, I mean, things like shopping for meaning with you know Claire <laughs> outside all what the big boutiques, it's looking, looking ecstatic. I mean, everyone shops for meaning, even if you even if you can't afford to buy very much. Or you know, searching for authenticity, negative space, my perfect life about the Instagram. You know, you've got all these. There's different one called. Kinds there's one simply riffs. called Empty Vessel. Well, yeah, which is so good. You know, I mean, and so everybody can take, even if you're not an art world aficionado, you don't have to know your Botticelli from your biennial, you know, but you can still relate to that because it's human nature he's dealing with to a great extent. The art world just puts it under a mad microscope and distorting mirror, really. Oh, wow. So much flows from Grace and Perry. Super rich interior decoration is what we're talking about. But this is the point at which we take it down a little sort of allied art alleyway. I think that sort of makes sense. Um, Louisa Buck, of course, this is a great one. This is a great one. You probably grappled over it. You probably fought over choosing this. Is Hogarth an 18th century satire? What's the link, Louisa? Well, I just think, you know, I... I mean, this this hasn't this didn't come upon me in a lightning flash when I went to this show. I've thought about this with Grayson a lot. I mean, he fits very much in to that kind of 18th century satire of a kind of bawdy, rollicking, Rowlandson, Gilray, yeah. all those people parodying, you know, the royal family, you know, to boot, breaking taboos. But I think Hogarth's sort of, Hogarth's rakes progress, I was thinking of particularly here, where Tom Rakewell, you know, the dodgy spendthrift, goes into these, you know, go, go, spends, spends all his family money and he's with amongst prostitutes, socialites, spending it, behaving badly, ending up in, first of all, the Fleet Debtors' Jail and then Bedlam. But along the way, you can see Hogarth just adoring those social types. Just, I mean, I bet all those people in the paintings were completely recognisable, people who hung out in Covent Garden and in the various salons. So, you know, he's parodying the rich while also actually being quite sort of incisive about their horrible, wicked ways of spending all the money that's probably, you know, earned off the backs of slaves or, you know, tragic tenant farmers or whatever. So yeah. there's the, all that parodying going on. Or Mariage à la Mode, the, um, the wonderful sort of story of, 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 the, of the dodgy... Um dodgy son of the impo- impoverished Earl Squanderfield who, who <laughs> marries who marries some some kind of hapless rich merchant's daughter and then you know, all goes to hell in a handcart and again there's much sort of frolicking around the social world all the interiors are brilliantly observed the fashions the rituals all the things the ways in which the, the, the wife you know spends her money takes lovers in the end I think um, uh, she takes a lover the, the husband kills the lover and the husband ends up um, ends up being hanged and the lover's dead so the wife commits suicide you know, it's all ends in glue 
doom and doom. But yeah. actually, Grayson also, I mean, here not quite so much in this show, but certainly in the past, there's been very much the kind of, the, the rakes, he, he even actually riffed on the rakes progress, you know, in a series of tapestries where, you know, all ended up with, with somebody being killed in a car crash and, you know, having, having gone through the various class systems. This, yeah. this guy went through from being a working class boy to becoming an aristocrat, you know, and a mi- middle class along the way. So that kind of observation of social mores, of a very English. I mean, Grayson is an intrinsically English artist. You could even say Claire is kind of riffing on the kind of pantomime dame, you know, yeah. aspect. And I think that's where I really see Grayson. He's not remotely nostalgic, but I feel if Hogarth was, um, was, was around now, he'd be parodying Instagram culture, you know, the whole kind of rich, mad spendthriftishness, the awful mm. hypocrisy of the liberal elite, you know, the fact that we're all just kind of, you know, polluting everything while sort of wringing our hands and buying one organic loaf of bread to make us feel better, you know, all that kind of thing. I think, you know, Hogarth would be there. And I think that kind of savage but brilliant accuracy that Hogarth has really resonates with me with Grayson now. I mean, he um, also, that big woodblock print is is obviously a reference to yeah. Hogarth. You know, this, yeah. the fact that it's technically very um, incredible, but it's it's a humble print. Yeah, yeah, albeit on a large scale. Well, thank you for taking us back to the 18th century right. in such vibrant style, Louisa. Um, Austin's being as bang up to date <laughs> um, by lampooning as we do, as uh, Grayson Perry does in the show Instagram culture but specific Instagram accounts which are some of your favourites yeah I'm, I'm going down the erudite line here because I'm not <laughs> I'm not inst, I'm not super insta friendly myself and I can't really post I've for got them printed but, out for me but, so but, that's pretty good but, <laughs> yeah. but I think um, there's a long history of this as well in the art world with a uh, Cathedral of SHIT and various other mm. email kind of chains that used to go around back in the day before Instagram kind of outing these stories. And so it is quite navel gazing. It's all about the art world. It's a sort of uh, ripping a hole into this sort of industry. So the two that I wanted to point out is one is just a guy called Matthew Strauss, who's like he claims he's sort of ex art advisor, you know, hung up his hat. But it's it's very pithy. It's very memesy, you know, yep. pictures of uh, people. So, like, but he also uncovers funny stories. So, Michelle Macaroni, gallerist, has recently uh, announced she's opening a show in LA sponsored by Pornhub. And, you know, so there's a little thing about that. Then there's a Jasper John's line of fashion, or it's something about cause or Sotheby's marketing China's next Matisse, to which he adds, why not check out the Pakistani Picasso, the Venezuelan Van Gogh and the Mexican Mondrian. So these are kind of like jokes about the art world systems. And the other one, which is much better known because it's almost like a sort of brand name is Jerry Gogosian, not Gagosian <laughs> and not um, Larry. But, you know, Otherwise Jerry... he'd be sued to the skies. Yeah. yeah, and I'm sure this is very anonymous, this one, whereas Matthew Strauss is a guy, everyone knows who he is. This is very anonymous. And so there are funny things, very memesy. So you've got a picture of Britney Spears, let's say, not looking great, kind of after a night out. And it, it's captioned, after a long day of art fairs, side eyes and air kisses and you just have this image you know so it's very, side eyes it's such a good uh, it's the art world thing, yeah. yeah it's yeah. very art world and there's another one which I, I just like he posted uh, or she I don't know who it is my first two years in New York and the caption is a picture of a young girl basically drowning off a kayak you know and yeah. kind of like just her face above water like Goya's dying dog you know it's sort of it is the art world it's it's sort of sometimes takes the role of the the gallery assistant you know the sort of put upon very hard working young 
so-and-so who's trying to get up in the art world but gets pushed down. There's a lot of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's in the same way that I see that Grayson's kind of, yes, the biting the hand that feeds. Obviously, this is, you know, anonymized, but, you know, they get shared around the art world like anything because they're spot on, because the, the critique is bang on and everyone understands, you know, where that's coming from. You know, we all know about someone like that, those art advisors, that collector, that kind of you know, um, artist. It, it's very funny. I suppose there are there are artists that use Instagram not just to promote their works, but use it as an art. I mean, I'm thinking really of well, Cindy Corey Sherman. Archangel and Cindy Sherman yeah. and people like that. Who are, and then there are people who are almost in a journalistic, a, a pure satire way, a sort of journalistic satire way, who are doing it, to which you're referring here. But some of them you're not sure whether they are real or not because <laughs> yeah. that's what people They're are so like. Good. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's interesting because... I feel like this is the right medium for it because it's Instagram and everyone says that the art world is addicted to Instagram, which is sort of true. But every time I see the art world depicted in film, you know, or in The Square, that movie about the um, the kind of Danish uh, Uber curator yeah, or yeah. Um, the Lucky Kunst book, which was turned into a film, they always kind of miss the mark because you actually think, no, the art world is more extreme than that. Yeah. Mm. Like everyone goes, wow, did you see that film? Is the art world like that? I'm like, no, it's worse. Yeah. It's like anyone would do work experience at the Vogue in The Devil Wears Prada yeah. and have done in worse places, yeah, right? It's much worse. Yeah. It's yeah. The reality yeah. is darker and, you know, sort of infinitely richer. And, and the it's, people are more bonkers, too. Yeah. And yeah. I think Grayson does skewer it really well, actually. Mm. I mean, there's, there's, one, there's one, of his, one of his pots that um, is called Thin Women with Painting, and you know, it says suicidal, depressed, and there are these skinny women with these wide, mad eyes. Their faces stretched with so much surgery they can hardly sort of, you know, have their bones visible. Yeah. You know, you do think, my God, this is these people are, they're, they're there. You go yeah. to Miami, you walk around. Yeah. Those Martin Parr pictures on the um, on the, the lamp, that's the, the, the vase that's the lamp, taken by Martin Parr, are real people, you yeah. know. There they are. The, uh, yeah, exactly. The Stranger art appreciation fiction. of the Xanax class. Yeah, right? gnarled old hands it's decked there. in diamonds. Yeah, exactly. Wow, what riches um, lay in uh, super rich interior decoration. It is Grayson Perry's new show and it is on at the Mayfair branch of Victoria Miro until the 20th of December. Thank you very much to my guests today, Ossian Ward and Louisa Buck, and to my producer, of course, Holly Fisher. We'll be back at the same time next week, post-freeze. But until then, from me, Robert Bound, thank you very much for tuning in.